0: DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone we are joined now by Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report Andy how are you welcome back
1: I'm doing pretty well how are you guys
0: We're doing all right
2: well, I got this little stiff thing in my neck man it's really been bothering me Andy
1: That that is frustrating I yeah. know that feeling and yeah. uh, it can kind of just put a cramp in your whole day
2: So I'm at the gym the other day. This has nothing to do with anything, but it made me laugh. There's this guy who always just, you never want to talk to him because he'll just talk your head off. So I'm, I'm by the side. Guy comes up to the other guy. He says, yeah, how's it going, Bob? Oh, you don't want to know. And then he proceeds, well, I mean, last month, man, my elbow was just, and then I had this pain in my neck, and then, and I'm doing the abridged version, Andy, then when the snow came, I had the shovel, and I fell right on my you-know-what. So then I was out with that, and this went on for like 15 minutes.
1: My, in my head, I always have the inner response, yes, I, I, you're right, I do not want to know, but I never have the courage to say
2: that. And I felt bad for the guy asking him, how's it going, Bob, because I knew, oh, oh
1: you're opening <laughs> the
0: floodgates. Yep. Here it comes. <laughs> exactly. It's fun to go the other way. When somebody asks, how are you, you're like, that's just your way of saying hello, you don't really want me to, to dump all this on you, do you?
2: I just say, never been better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, the Utah Jazz. You know the topics. You know the stories. You probably don't even need the questions for us. Uh, before we get to the trade rumors and the Joe Ingles speculation and maybe the bogey speculation and all that kind of stuff, having seen the Warriors play four games, three against the Suns and one against the Jazz, how big is the gap between these top teams? We haven't seen the Jazz and the Suns yet. How big is the gap, you think, between these top teams? You've got the trade de- deadline coming up. And if you're running one of these clubs, what are you thinking right now about the gaps and your ability to close them?
1: Well, um, this may be the safe answer, but I I really don't think the gap is huge. Um, I understand the desire to maybe try and upgrade one of those spots, whether it's Bogdanovich or, or Um But I, I think... With the Jazz, they they are so good offensively, so historically good. I mean, the, the gap between them and number two is pretty immense. And I've had people point out to me uh, on Twitter and elsewhere that they've had kind of a soft schedule so far, and that may be fair. But they are just such a well-oiled machine on offense um, that I hesitate to break that up. And I still sort of think that <clears throat> when push comes to shove in the playoffs, The defense will tighten up again a a little bit, too. Um, And it's not that they've been bad defensively. I think it's just when you have Rudy Gobert on your team, you almost expect top one or two. Um, So I I think they're closer to the Warriors than people maybe realize. But, you know, having said all that, um, I can see the logic in some of the rumored. Like a few weeks ago, I saw, I don't know if this was sourced or anything, if it was just, you know, his own speculation, but Kevin O'Connor at the ringer talked about, Maybe something along the lines of Bogdanovich for Grant, and I don't know what other pieces would be in there in terms of contracts and draft picks and whatever the case may be. Um, But I think you take a slight step back offensively in a deal like that, but but Grant is a more versatile defensive player. Um, I do think Bogdanovich is is maybe a little bit better than people give him credit for. I think he's pretty big. He knows how to use his body fairly well. Um, But I would trust... Grant a little bit more against some of the bigger guards and wings uh, that they'd have to face in the playoffs. So it's a tough, tight rope to walk. I mean, if you're if you're the Jazz front office, you think we've we've been churning along at a 60 win pace for two seasons now. Um, can we can we break this up? I mean, it's 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 kind of a big deal because of how good they've been in the regular season the last couple of years.
2: I'm wondering then, so you mentioned Bogdanovich and Ingles, and obviously those are the two most likely guys if you're trying to get better defensively. And it seems like, at least on paper, and I could be totally wrong, but on paper it seems like if if you go with Bogdanovich in a move, you get back a higher caliber of player than if you would trade Ingles. Then you would may get the same type of player, but not quite as good. That would be my theory. I'm not sure if it's correct, but anyway, that's my theory. Uh, so, with that in mind, would you? What? Which one of the two would you go with? Would you think that the Jazz need a higher caliber, someone who's commensurate across the board to what Bogdanovich can give you offensively? That player can give you defensively, or would it be good enough if you went with? and Ingles, who isn't quite as good, so maybe you don't get quite as good a defensive player. You see the parallels I'm trying to draw there?
1: Yeah, I think your theory is right on, frankly. Um, Ingles is a couple years older. Um, he's he's obviously not scoring at the same volume that Bogdanovich can. He's not even shooting the ball as well as Bogdanovich is this year. So I think if you, if you move Ingles, that's a fringes sort of a – an improvement um, and I think if you're going to break up a core that has won at, like I said a 60 plus win pace for two seasons now um, I think you've got to be pretty committed to we're, we're doing something that is actually going to move the needle for us you may move Joe Ingles for somebody who, who just frankly doesn't make things any better um, I think if you move Bogdanovich you do have a, a little bit better chance of getting a real difference maker and again, if that means you shave a point or two off the offensive rating, um, but you also you get one or two points better defensively, maybe you're a little bit better suited for the playoffs. Um, but it's it's just such a tricky thing to think about because with the Jazz, you know, statistically, you already have a bona fide contender um, and and a lot of continuity and chemistry. And you know, I know the the league is there's tons of player turnover over the last several years, um, really the whole time I've been covering the NBA. Um, but there is still some value in, in continuity and eventually teams can break through sometimes, you know, you've got the 2011 Mavericks who, who eventually broke through with kind of a similar core that they'd had for a few years. So I think there's an argument to stand pat. Um, but if the right deal presents itself, I'm, I'm sure with all the new voices that they have in the front office, there will be people who, who may push for, you know, switching things up a little
0: bit. So I think that a lot of things you guys have been talking about I can totally agree with and sign off on but I think the one thing that is out there and you know we have Joe on our show every week and I definitely don't want to screw that up with a trade that won't be a factor <laughs> however my my needs don't factor into this but and I well, think I, Joe will I was- Joe,
1: Joe. I was going to mention something along those lines. Like, you don't... The front office wouldn't... This wouldn't be a determining factor for them, but he is a fan favorite. He's been with the Jazz his entire career. Um, and, and he has a lot to do with that continuity and chemistry. He's, he's I think, probably the longest-tenured Jazz guy, maybe him or Gilbert. So there, there is a little bit to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the... So he mentioned last summer and we asked him something about trades and he got into it and it didn't hit me at the time, but it hit me a little later. I'm like, Oh, he's way more aware. And he subsequently has come on and said that uh he sat on I think he was I think he was waking up because of the time difference, that he woke up at the Olympics to some news and he thought he was gone then. And mm. and just last week he was talking about it and he said I know I'm the guy making a lot of money with the expiring contract, and I know the business of the NBA, and that makes me more valuable. And so as much as PK is weighing the basketball merits and trying not to You know, be the homer who builds some lopsided trade because we're doing radio here, you know, and the other team would never do it. But there are lopsided trades because there are sometimes owners who are desperate to get under the cap, desperate to create Mm -hmm. space for a a free agent signing they think they can pull off next summer, or desperate to pay less than the luxury tax. So all of a sudden, the quality of the basketball in the moment doesn't matter to them. matters a lot to the Jazz, but it doesn't matter. That's how the Jazz got Jeff Hornacek a long time ago. It was mm-hmm. a lopsided trade, but Philly was making a money trade while the Jazz were making a basketball trade, so the Jazz came out way ahead. Do you think there are a lot of motivated sellers in the NBA who will look at the finances, not worry about the basketball, in which case the Jazz could make a seriously lopsided deal?
1: Yeah, I think there are always at least a couple teams in the NBA. I'd have to sit down and, and look and see if I could pinpoint some specific ones for you. But that does seem to be something that happens every year. There's at least two or three of those who are trying to, you know, shape some money off. They see the writing on the wall that they're not going to be a contender, or they're not going to make the playoffs or wherever the case may be. And if you get <laughs> – I mean, I, I think – Justin Zanuck has obviously been with the jazz for a while, but they have kind of pivoted away from Dennis Lindsay, who was the one who was responsible for bringing in Joe Engel. So there may not be quite as much of an attachment to him with this front office as there was say two years ago. Um, and if you're presented with a deal that, you know, it's a money saver for another team and it is a clear basketball upgrade for the jazz. Um, you know, I, I think they would probably say yes. Um, I don't know if they're out there hunting for those deals or they're just waiting for those to come in. But yeah, if if it's an obvious upgrade, you you probably gotta do it. You just kinda bite your tongue and um you know, you hope that there's I, I'm sure there's plenty of goodwill with the jazz fan base that they wouldn't they, they wouldn't riot or anything if Joe Ingalls was gone. But but it would certainly um it would be a bitter pill to swallow for some people, but that's like you said, that's the business. There are always teams that are that are trying to get under the luxury tax or at least reduce that luxury tax payment and and stuff can come up that maybe you weren't anticipating.
0: How much do you
2: buy into the camaraderie chemistry aspect of the game?
1: I think it's pretty big. Um, I think you have to have a nice balance between that part of it and star power uh, because you're just not going to win an NBA championship without some star power. Um, There's only five guys on the floor. It's obviously a lot different than football in that regard. There's 11 guys on the field and all their jobs are so highly specialized. Um, When there's only five guys and they all kind of do the same thing, if you've got one or two that are, you know, head and shoulders above the rest of the field, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, And I, you know, I've been saying for years that the Jazz are on the fringe of being one of those teams with two top 10 players. And if you've got two top ten players, you have a very strong chance to win it all. And I think I think the argument that they've got those two guys is stronger this year than it's ever been. Um, Donovan Mitchell has, has been ridiculous this season. His three-point percentage is down a little bit, but um, he's been phenomenal from two-point range. He's playmaking. I think he averaged 30-plus in December. Um, and Rudy Gobert is quietly just been dominant this season. I don't I don't know if you guys have seen the thing I do where I kind of aggregate all the catch-all metrics from around the internet. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of mix them all together and, and try and balance out some of the biases that each one has, the last time I did it, Gobert was fourth. I mean, the only people ahead of him were Jokic, Curry, and Giannis. I mean, he, he just leapfrogged Durant. Um, I think people are so programmed to see Points per game and fadeaway jumpers and between the legs dribbling and stuff like that. That they're they're just not ready to accept the fact that Gobert has that kind of impact, but he does. Um, you know, I've said for years that he's basically Ben Wallace with plus offensive impact. I mean, he's he is a dominant defensive player who's also a huge part of their offense. So I think they're really close on the top ten on the on the multiple you know stars front if they're not there already. And then you, you layer the chemistry and the continuity, like you talked about, on top of that, where those two guys know how to play with each other. Um, they've, they've now got multiple years under their belts with Bogdanovich and Clarkson and Conley. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, the offense is just a well-oiled machine. They, they lace up their shoes and go out there and score 115 you know, points per 100 possessions like it's nothing. Um, so I think if you've got both of them, you're in great shape. And, and I do think Utah has both of those so I I think you kind of need both generally to win the title
0: what have you thought of the Jazz it seems to be that they're trending much more towards letting Gobert be the on-ball defender no matter who has the ball and if he ends up matched up with a 6-2 point guard who shoots the three so what he's Rudy Gobert and we're seeing a little more of that and it seems to be working but I'm wondering if that's something that can be pulled apart in the playoffs when teams have more time to prepare
1: I think it's good that they're doing that now. Um, and I might lean even harder into it than they have. They've obviously been a drop coverage team for basically the entire time that Gobert's been the starting center. And that makes a lot of sense with him. Uh, but as we saw with the Clippers last season, small ball lineups can kind of pick that drop coverage apart. So this, this would be the time to experiment with it. And And statistically, you know, it's not a huge sample size because they do typically drop back. Um, against the pick and roll. But statistically, his numbers against perimeter players have have always been pretty solid. Um, You know, people like to cherry-pick the random highlight where he gets spun around on a drive um, or he is slightly laid out to a shooter or something like that and throw it up on Twitter. And then everybody thinks, Oh, that's, that's how Gobert looks against perimeter you know, assignments every time. But for every one of those, I think there's probably three or four clips um, that aren't as grabby on social media where he does just fine staying in front of a guard. And there's a lot of times where he gets blown by. And then the fact that he have got a seven foot nine wingspan, yeah. um, Comes in handy, and he can bother them from behind. So I think I think he's a lot better on the perimeter than people realize. Um, and if the, the more he gets used to it in games that don't matter as much here in the regular season, the better he'll be equipped to do it in the playoffs when it's you know much more important.
2: Regular season, who's winning the West?
1: I, I think at this point it's probably safe to default to the Warriors. Um, you know, I I kind of keep waiting for the. Flipper to fall, or whatever the saying is with the Suns, but they just they keep plugging along too. Um, I think it'll probably be neck and neck between them. Um, I, I wouldn't count the Jazz out yet. I think those are your three like bona fide contenders in the West. It's it's interesting. I, I think how quickly um, that has sort of crystallized in both conferences. I think three teams in each conference have kind of put their head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, but once once the Warriors get Clay Thompson back, and I know there's probably a lot of homerism in the reporting there, but it sounds like he looks pretty good. Um, when you add that kind of shooting to the mix they already have, I think they're going to be tough to catch.
0: Andy, we appreciate the time, as always. Thanks for joining us.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Andy Bailey, he covers the NBA for Bleacher Report, and you can check more of his analysis and his writing right there. DJ and PK, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, you got a breakthrough treatment. No pills, no injections, no side effects.
3: Yes, that is right. If you're out there suffering with ED, we call this breakthrough because it's not a pill, thank goodness. That's what men have turned to for 30 years, dealt with the headaches, the side effects, And then they're playing this big timing game, not knowing if the pill will work, when it will work. Uh, We can eliminate all that. Wasatch Medical has the two most advanced versions of WAVE technology, the only technology backed by 50 studies showing it opens up and regrows blood vessels. We have helped so many men, couples of pretty much every age, turn back the clock in the bedroom, restore normal blood flow, and we do it without any pills.
0: The clinical studies have, uh, have piled up, but they keep piling up.
3: Yes, they do. We have about 50 of them posted at WasatchMedicalClinic.com, uh, Cambridge, the Cleveland Clinic. Most of them, if not all of them, say safe, effective. One called it the new standard of care for ED. So this is really cool. I think the pill will someday be a thing of the past.
0: And you had a special offer right now. If people pick up the phone and call Wasatch Medical Clinic. What are you offering?
3: If you're ready to put a stop to your ED, guys, it won't go away on its own. Call us now. Exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound with our MD. Uh, it's free. No obligation. Plus a gift that produces immediate results to intimacy. I think you'll really love that. And this is pretty cool. Blood work and testosterone. That's free today as well.
0: Call right now, 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call at Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson.
3: Denton Goodman, who DM'd me on Twitter, he said, The Utes will go to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? That's hilarious. You sound like a homer. Outside of USC, what Pac-12 schools in history have gone to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? Washington? Yeah, Washington. Oregon's now seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, they'll go to a lot of Rose Bowls, but they'll be there pretty regularly. I put
0: Oregon in the USC category. I don't know if Utah can do it on that frequent of basis, but yeah, why not? Like, I think Utah can very easily be it two
3: a decade, which is a lot. That's once every five years. That's basically once a recruiting cycle. I think that's probably pretty reasonable for what this Utah football program is right now. I think they'll be back multiple times. How about that? Is that better than a bunch? Here's my take. Utah's going to go to a lot of Rose Bowls. I don't need to change that.
1: you Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone powered by KSLsports.com. Sports.com.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit leesheatac.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or a free second opinion. Jazz and the Nuggets coming up tonight. Denver has had a run of bad luck, PK. They have. They have lost multiple starters. They are still a 500 team. 18 and 17 on the year. We are joined right now by Katie Wingey, Denver Nuggets host, analyst, and reporter for Altitude Sports. Katie, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We are doing well. Good. How are the Denver Nuggets? Believe it or not, they're getting a little sympathy on this side of the mountains because that's been a lot of injuries.
4: What? I can't believe not that. A not a, a lot. Not, not a lot. Not from me.
0: Not from me. No way, man. <laughs>
4: Um, they're, like you guys said, I mean, they're banged up. I think that they're real tired of, of the way things have been going around here. I feel like they just can't catch a break, um, game after game, whether it's health and safety protocol or to another player being injured, our roster just continues to dwindle down. So I'm hopeful that, that good news is on the horizon because honestly, fellas, at this point, I'm not sure it can get much worse, which I probably jinxed it by saying that, but that's truly what it feels like in Denver.
2: It seems like if you want to save time, you tell us the players who are available as opposed to the players who aren't available. And, you know, we watch them, obviously, because they're, they've been a contender and they're in the same division or certainly the same conference, obviously, and, and close to the Jazz and all that respect. Uh, I'm wondering if you've seen any players who may have gotten more time than they would have developed, and so maybe there might be some bright spots from that perspective.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's been, the toughest part for the Nuggets has been there, has, there hasn't there has been a rhythm. I mean, like, a guy like Bones Highland is the first player that comes to my mind when you ask that question, and if the Nuggets were healthy, him as a rookie, I'm not sure he would be getting the minutes that he's getting, but at the same time, he's been in and out of the lineup quite a bit because of health and safety protocol, because of spraining his ankle a couple times, and having to deal with that and then going back into health and safety. So the players that typically would have benefited from the Nuggets being a little shorthanded this season, they've also been in health and safety. Another player that I think of is uh, a player like Zeke Naji, who he's upgraded to questionable tonight, which is very helpful considering Vladko Chanchar went out in the Nuggets last game in Dallas. So he's for sure out tonight. So at least you can kind of do a switcheroo there but the younger guys are getting more minutes substantial playing time because there just isn't enough bodies elsewhere and i think that that is a bright spot if you want to twist it or find some sort of positive in the situation and the goodness with that is they're getting like very real minutes not only against starters but with the nugget starters or what's left of them anyway I, i i guess i would say with nicole Jokic.
0: So, Denver isn't in the exact same situation as other teams, but portions of what we're seeing from them do match up. I think it's very clear that the trust the process Sixers would have shut this whole team down and just played for a draft, high draft pick, and reset everything. The Warriors didn't really have a choice. They had so many of their key guys hurt, uh, but they inevitably did get a, uh, you know, have a down year and have a chance to kind of reload a little bit. Has there been any thought to just. Let's not battle to be a 500 team in fifth or sixth in the West. Let's just shut it down.
4: Absolutely not. I don't think that that is in any of these players' <sighs> blood, and I also don't think head coach Michael Malone could possibly do that. He is way too much of a competitor. Um, they still think that, you know, they have a very real opportunity to make some noise in the postseason, whether that be in a play-in game or wherever they end up landing. And the other question mark, too, is there is no timetable on, you know, when a Jamal Murray might be back or when a Michael Porter Jr. might be back. And they're absolutely not rushing either of those guys. But who's to say that they don't come back towards the end of the year? No one really knows at this point, And they're letting them take their time in their rehab process. So I think they want to position themselves in the best possible situation that they can for the postseason. It just I don't think that they're capable of throwing in the towel. That's just not in them.
2: How much has the team's toughness improved now that Jokic's brothers have gotten a lot of publicity? (laughs) Um, They knew it before the rest of the world knew
4: it. I don't know if it's actually increased the the Nuggets' toughness at all. Um, It's funny. I mean, they're, they're at almost every single game. They're so involved, and Jokic's family is so, so close. Um, and I think the whole Nuggets team knows what they bring when they're in the, in the audience, whether it's at home or on the road. So, um, funny, funny story of the season, I think.
0: Oh, hilarious. Wildly entertaining. <laughs> uh, I'm curious... How much do the Jazz stir up the fan base there? Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, Jazz, who really gets people fired up and and brings out the nasty in the Nuggets crowd? Can you rank the level of rivalry?
4: You know, it's hard to say because I think there's a a generational difference in that, too. Long-time Nuggets fans, Given the way that this team has competed with the Lakers, I would say the hatred for the Lakers is still very real, especially for Nuggets fans that are a little bit older. Um, Given the way that things went with Phoenix and Suns and Four Guy and and all of that business, I think that there will hold a special place in Nuggets fans' hearts when they do play the Suns now. it's tough. Denver is such a transplant city and so there are so many people that come from all over the country and it's inevitable that there will be fans of the opposing team in the building. When the nuggets are full strength and when they're competing and, and when they've been good the past couple years, the Nuggets fan base holds their own man. Like they if there are opposing fans in the crowd or are against you know really great opposing teams, ballerina gets loud and they get into it. So that's always really, really fun. I would say Utah, too. I mean, it's always a great matchup because of the division opponent and because of the way this matchup has gone, both in the postseason and the regular season. I mean, Nuggets Nuggets fans love when the Jazz come to town, and it's always a good game.
2: How much concern is there long term with Porter Jr.?
4: You know, we haven't heard a whole lot about what exactly happened or what his rehab process really looks like. Um, So I think the concern level, it actually improved because we saw him at like getting some shots up. He wasn't jumping. He was just like moving on the court during warmups in Dallas at the Nuggets last game. So that was, you know, a sight for sore eyes to see him around the team, to see him just doing standstill form shooting and some sort of basketball action. As as far as I know, the surgery went extremely well, and the rehab is going really, really well. But obviously, anytime you're talking about back surgery, that's something that you're not going to rush, and it's something that you're going to take very seriously. So, um, I'm not sure. Obviously, there's a level of concern because it is his back, and because he's had a history with it. But at the same time, they explored so many options with it, and they did what they thought was best. So, the Nuggets have said that they're expecting him to make a full recovery and be back just a matter of when that will be.
0: You did mention there were some people getting Bones Highland, getting more playing time. Is there anyone you can identify right now as, hey, in two years, this guy is really going to be something. He is going to be a rotation guy. He might be a starter. Is there anyone that's that, or is everybody a work in progress, and it remains to be seen?
4: I think it remains to be seen just because we have so many injuries to our core guys. Like It's hard to make that jump when we don't have a jamal murray or a michael porter jr and they're expected to eventually be back in a starting lineup um i would say that bones Highland has made uh, some pretty good early impressions with not only this coaching staff but with the fan base as well um he is insanely talented and has this energy and this charisma about him that's contagious and brings this positive attitude the moment that he steps into the gym. So I don't know whether that would be in the starting lineup or whether that could be like a potential six-man role. Um, similar to like a Jordan Clarkson with you all, I, I, he's a scorer. Like he can score, he can create his own shot. He's so crafty and smooth at getting to the basket, has great range. So I think the, the, most, part, or the most impressive part about Bones is that he hasn't taken a very long time to adjust to the NBA game. Obviously, he's still learning, and every experience is invaluable for him in game, but he's made an impact from the moment that he's joined this franchise.
2: So even if it's not this season, I'm wondering how much of a prevailing thought is within the Denver organization with Malone and everybody above him that the line of thinking being, hey, we're still young enough, And we've had some big-time setbacks, obviously, but Mm -hmm. we do have age on our side to a degree, so let's not go crazy here and let's just wait this thing out, get our guys back. And we still got guys that are approaching their prime or in their prime so they can be good with health real quick.
4: No, I think that's absolutely the mentality. At least that's the, the mood and the vision that I've interpreted on being around this group. I think that they think their window is very much open. It's just a matter of getting guys healthy. They talk often about the game last season when the Nuggets were healthy and went to L.A. and beat the Clippers full strength. And that, I think, was very eye-opening for not only you know people who work with and around the team, but the fan base, seeing what the Nuggets were capable of when they are 100%. And it's like we, we think back to that game with very fond memories and we look forward with, you know, a hopeful future with that in mind because I feel like we only got a little taste of what it could be like. It was so so short-lived in a lot of ways. It was a, a small stretch. But with that in mind and as young as these guys are you think about kind of the rest of the league and age not being on their side in terms of the teams that we're talking about other than you know maybe a Utah but the, the Lakers are old, getting older Brooklyn they've got all sorts of stuff going on over there I'd say the Warriors are the one team that are working their way back to being full strength and they're always dangerous when that's the case but the Nuggets are a team that is so young and we haven't really seen what they're fully capable of of yet for an extended period of time. So, this franchise is absolutely thinking that way of like, okay, once we get healthy, this is a chance, this is a window. We have to make a real push at this here.
0: Of what you've seen around the NBA, right now it's Warriors-Suns-Jazz 1-2-3 in the standings. Uh, Is that the way you see it shaking out when we get to the playoffs? Are the Warriors the favorite? Or it's It's pretty close?
4: It's so tough to say. I mean, those three teams have been remarkable to start this season. And I think when the Warriors get clay back, like watch out, who knows what's going to happen with that. Utah has been obviously so good. The Phoenix has picked up right where they left off. So um, I guess I would probably see it playing out that way. But then once you go past that three mark, then it's like an even bigger question mark. How is the rest of this going to play out? I think Memphis has been tremendous to start this season and so fun to watch. Um, And then who knows, just with health and health and safety protocols, you guys have been so fortunate in not having the last team to send somebody into that. So our our team's going to be able to stay healthy, given how many seasons we've had within a calendar year and how much basketball has been played, and then given the pandemic on top of that as well. It just is so hard to predict anything right now.
0: Well, Katie, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to the game tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. Katie Wingey joining us, Denver Nuggets host, analyst, and reporter for Altitude Sports. Jazz and the Nuggets tonight, 8 o'clock, the tip time. It's an ESPN game. Pre-game here on the Zone Sports Network at 7 o'clock. I wouldn't mess
2: with Jokic just for that very reason. This guy's over there, man. <laughs> His brothers just like, <laughs> They have flying. a reprise of the Sopranos. They're <laughs>
0: in it. <laughs> the Serbian Sopranos. Is
2: he Serbian? Just the, Yeah, they've, they've had some characters, some foreign guys over there play tough guys. Sure. Uh, just him alone, though. He's a fun player to watch. He's highly skilled. I love the way he goes about his business. You ever see that? There's a couple guys, they do it on video. They imitate the guys to a tee, and the way he walks and when he makes his shot. It's really funny to watch. The basketball version of a batting stance guy? Yeah, and it's, it's funny the way he just his mannerisms, you can see it makes you laugh but he's so highly skilled that any given game they're dangerous you know they fit right in the middle of the league and the conference this year it seems like there's a lot of teams in in that range of uh one game above one game below two games above 500 whatever it might be clippers lakers mavericks and nuggets in the west yeah and those teams have beaten the jazz they've beaten them in this arena so certainly they can beat him over there uh obviously and and you, you want to clean up on these teams, and plus I said they would have a 17 and three stretch, and it's really important that they win these next two
0: games. <laughs> you don't want to deal with a 16 and four.
2: No, I didn't say 16 and four, which is good, but I said 17 and three, and right now they're 15 and three, and those two losses uh, to Washington and, and San Antonio at home back to back really tick me off because then I could be sitting pretty. Uh, but I think they certainly have a chance to win these next two games. Obviously, to go to my 17 and three. Uh, prediction here and it's it's interesting you know they've been playing so well away from home I don't know what it is I I can't explain it I don't know that there's any reason rhyme or reason to it specifically I mean you're a theory guy so you'll come up with something
0: you ready for one I'll shoot it down because it's what I do (laughs) well it's been working for a couple decades let's not mess with the formula how about this who they are on the road is how good they really are and it's why they shouldn't make a trade and the reason the home record isn't as good is it's the regular season. They've been so dominant at home. They let their guard down. They're not that fired up. You can't bring it every night. They think they're going to do it at home. We blame it on the wives? <laughs> There's so many single guys on the team. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh... I don't know who's – all I know uh, married is Conley
2: and, and Ingles. I don't know who else is married, who isn't married, honestly. I, I'm not that close to any of them.
0: You know Donovan isn't married.
2: I assume, <laughs> but he could be in a long-term relationship, for yeah. all I know, that's the same thing as marriage. I don't, I don't know what their yeah, personal gonna, lives far. are, because Conley's wife is all over social media, sure. and we know about uh, Joe. Joe. The yeah. rest of them, I don't they even don't look really at. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So I don't know what, what if family or personal things are getting away. Like. I think at
0: home, it's just... I don't know what their living conditions are like. I don't not, know anything about it. I think the losses at home... Largely, not bringing it. Bringing the C-plus effort, and it got them beat. Okay, they're, I can understand way better that, than but those teams. why
2: bring a C-plus effort at home? Of all places, the crowd picks you up. Those are the fans you don't want to disappoint the most,
0: blah, blah, blah. They're better. They, they know, it, know they're better. Sense. And then somebody gets hot, and they've wasted two or three quarters not playing yeah, their best I don't, ball. I t- they certainly didn't play their best ball,
2: but I don't think it's a lack of mental effort. I'm not going to go that far and say they're on cruise control at home. I don't want to do that because, to me, once you do that,
0: you're questioning players' heart. And I'm very uh, it's not hesitant about question, to go in it. It's not about questioning their heart. I think that this team, no. more than any team since the Stockton & Malone teams, buys into our place in NBA history how will be judged at the end of the everything it rests on the playoffs but it's, it's sure but that doesn't explain a
2: great road record what you're saying is they lack intensity they yes. lack will they lack, lack desire intense. intensity is the word and that's that's not a good that's underachieving and our friend hates to say that they're underachieving because that means the coaching staff isn't doing their job guys that i dearly love in the eyes of some other folks, you're saying that they're <laughs> you're, underachieving. You're
0: shape shifting through multiple people's personalities right well, now. Well, it's the truth. <laughs> that was
2: awesome. I mean, they're that's and that's great. They have that. I don't have any connection to these guys. Yeah. They're, they're they're basketball players. I mean, they're not my friends, and so I. But I don't want to acknowledge that or label them as underachieving at home because they lack desire and intensity. That's that's a bad thing, man. You lose, you lose.
0: But you want to be able to give it all. And what you're saying is they're not giving it their all. I don't know how else to explain those seven home losses. I mean you're always going to have a couple of them. But is seven just it's too big a number. You at the start of the year were saying 36 and 5 and I wanted to argue with you, but given how they played at home last year and how good they looked, I said 36 and 5 on the road. You did not. <laughs> well, that's all I got now. <laughs> and they've already lost seven home games. And some of the teams they've lost to, I when mean, you understand losing to the Warriors at home, they're very good, and that can happen. Well, they but, didn't, yeah, and they didn't shoot the ball well. Right. But some of the other losses at home are just complete head scratchers. New Orleans? Head scratcher. Big time. That's a, that's a body scratcher to the point I draw <laughs> blood. <laughs> body scratcher. Yeah. Indiana? mean uh, At least Indiana has some players. San Antonio. Washington. I can live with Washington because Beal went off. He's a player. The road losses were all way early. Chicago, Miami, Orlando. And they haven't lost on the road since November 7th. That's
2: awesome. Yeah, keep it going. So I guess maybe you know if you total up the wins, and that's where they would have been, so they have a few more at home that we
0: didn't anticipate, but they have a few more on the road, so that sort of flushes it out. Yeah, if they were 14-7 and seven on the road right now, I don't think people would be complaining. But as a home record, that just doesn't doesn't cut it. So maybe uh, give them credit but, for adding
2: on but at the end, what they've done at the road. they're
0: 27-10 and 10 and they're on pace to win 60 games. That's good. The problem is the Suns are hotter and the Warriors are hotter. I don't, I don't know that's a problem come postseason. It could be, but I don't know that it is. And I think they would agree with you. And I think that's at the heart of the 14-7 and seven home record. They really do buy into, hey, we got to be playing our best basketball in Game 70. And a couple new guys to integrate here. Whiteside concussion protocol is uh, questionable for tonight. He's been out for a few games here. Didn't play against the Pelicans. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. <laughs> can't believe today was a good day. Today was a good day. Today I didn't even have to use my 8K. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Been talking a lot about the Jazz, the trade deadline. Joe Ingles was on last week talking to us about uh, he knows he's the guy who's got the expiring contract, and there's plenty of rumors out there as the national media starts to dig into the trade deadline and the possibilities.
2: So if Joe goes, will we put up flowers by his house?
0: (laughs) Maybe a for sale sign. I don't know about flowers. I don't think Joe's going to keep a place in the states to come back to. That doesn't seem to be his uh, his mood. Yeah, I think they would ride it out uh,
2: through the school year. Yeah, and then see where they're at. Who knows? Maybe he, maybe they release him and he resigns here, or he resigns <laughs> something like. Yes. I mean, the, didn't the uh, Yankees did that with Chapman a while back? They let him go to Cubs mm-hmm. and he pitched in World Series
0: and then brought him right back. Right back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jazz traded favors and brought him back. You never know. Yeah, but it wasn't a mid-season thing. Still following at Osteomath. Tweets at us. Dear at David DJ James and at PK Kennehan. Friendships and perfect chemistry don't bring championships. Love Shaq and Kobe. Hashtag RIP. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Yeah, if you can get Shaq uh, and Kobe's talent, you can definitely pass on the chemistry.
2: Well, yeah, but then you, you deal with it. But they left him on the table, too, did, for that matter.
0: Without question. Without a doubt. I, they could have rivaled uh, the Bulls. Yes, I totally believe that. Yeah, and Kobe might have ended up rivalling uh, Bill Russell. <laughs> he could have, because he was always, he was so much younger than Shaq. He was always going to have a second act, and it turned out his second act yielded two more titles. So I guess that wouldn't get him to Russell.
2: No, I don't think he would have got to Russell, but but nonetheless, he could and, and I don't think he needs anything to improve his legacy. But nevertheless, yeah, it would be cool to have eight titles. They did leave. Would they get three? You they can, got three. Conservatively two. Yes, and then if they make that trade and he gets two more, but that's... Shaq
0: was good enough to win in Miami, so I think you can argue that they could have had three or four. I, I I got it. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it seven in a row sounds because ridiculous. Kobe was better than Wade's an all-star, Kobe, a hall of famer in All Star, All Famer. Kobe kept it rolling. I mean, Kobe was still at a championship level in 2010. Yeah, but Shaq was there in 06. So.
2: Uh, yeah, but if you got that supreme talent and Shaq, yeah. a motivated Shaq was an extremely dangerous Shaq.
0: We had uh, we had Andy Bailey on. He was talking about, well, the Jazz arguably have two of the top ten in the league. Well, they arguably had two of the top four. Sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> come on. Duncan was at a pretty high level. I don't think Kobe was at Duncan's level at that point.
2: No, but nevertheless, I mean, that was a tandem that uh, was really special. Yep, it was. Phenomenal.
0: All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt joins us, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you've seen a lot of guys come through. You've heard a lot of patients tell their stories. What are they telling you?
3: Well, the main thing that patients tell us is, I had ED, I delayed in taking care of this way longer than I should have, and the treatments at Wasatch Medical were easier than I thought. It's a 10-minute session with our acoustic wave therapy. It opens up the blood vessels. Uh, It repairs circulation. And guys tell us how... The end result is that the relationship improves. My opinion, and I think the patients agree, when we get the ED fixed, it has this far-reaching ripple effect on the significant other, overall happiness, even stress and anxiety goes down.
0: You have, uh, you have not only a lot of feedback from the patients, you got people uh, nationally and internationally studying this. Yeah, we
3: do. Uh, at wasatchmedicalclinic.com. There's over 50 clinical studies now done from third parties, universities, hospitals, vetting the exact technology at Wasatch Medical and showing it's safe, it's effective. Uh, It was recently called the new standard of care for ED.
0: And you got a special offer right now. People want a deal. You'll cut them a deal if they pick up the phone right now.
3: That's right. If you're ready to regain your love life or just improve things in the bedroom, who doesn't want that? Call us now. The exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound, it's free. The gift, uh, this is worth the trip, produces immediate results to intimacy. And this part, quite valuable. Blood work and testosterone, if you feel like you have a need, that's free today as well.
0: You heard it, guys. You can put a stop to your D by treating the root cause of the problem. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now to qualify at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now, 801 901 8,000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Coming up next, Jake and Ben right here on 97.5 at 1280. The zone.